0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. On this first Sunday of Advent, we begin our Christmas series entitled, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And indeed, the story of Jesus is the greatest story ever told. And we will unpack that as we move Sunday by Sunday toward the day that is celebrated really by people who don't even understand why they're really celebrating. They don't understand the incredibly profound and eternal significance of God becoming human. Uh, One Christmas season many years ago, a young African boy was in a class taught at a missionary school by a missionary teacher. And on this particular day during the Christmas season, she was telling the boys and girls why we give and exchange gifts, that it's about the joy of Jesus coming to earth and expressing our love to each other. And the little boy seemed to get a light in his eyes, and the next day he came back and he presented to the teacher the most beautiful seashell she had ever seen. And she looked at it in wonder and she said, this is beautiful. Where did you get this? And he described a bay that was many miles really from the village in which she lived. That he had gone to find that seashell because that was the only place in their region that such shells could be found. And she looked at that and said, this is so beautiful, but you shouldn't have gone so far to get that. And he looked up at her with a smile and he said, Long walk, part of gift. (laughs) You see, it was the journey that made the gift more special. And the incarnation is the story of the greatest journey and the greatest gift that has ever been given. That Jesus Let the glory and the splendor of heaven to come to this sin-cursed planet we call earth. And he did it for us. The big idea for today's message is this. God became human so that you could become his forgiven child. The Apostle Paul spoke of this, of how Jesus emptied himself of the splendor and glory that was his to come to earth. When he wrote to the Philippian church in chapter 2, and I'll begin with verse 6, and this really was believed to be an actual hymn of the early church. Listen to these words, Philippians 2, beginning with verse 6, speaking of Jesus. Though he was God, on a cross. As we know the greatest story ever told, there are many amazing, miraculous elements to the story. Angelic visits, certainly the virgin birth, the star that led the wise men to find the baby Jesus and his mother. But of all the miracles in the story, at the center of it all is the incarnation itself that God would become flesh and blood, human, mortal, susceptible to pain and even to death, just like you and me. For no other reason other than we were imprisoned in justified condemnation for our sin before a holy God with no possible means of escape. He came. I hope you can sense, I want us to to consider the magnitude of the sacrifice of Jesus. When we think of the sacrifice of Jesus, we often think really only of the cross And certainly that's the focal point of his sacrifice when he said, it is finished. But understand that the sacrifice didn't begin with the cross. It climaxed with the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus began with the incarnation. That he would leave heaven to come to earth. And John in his gospel speaks of it so powerfully. I love John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open it there. We'll spend the rest of our time in this singular passage. John chapter 1, and we'll look at 18 verses together. So begin it with me. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. I want to stop there for a moment. And focus on word. I had someone tell me years ago who was upset because we were using a modern English translation that it says the, the word existed. And he said, that means the King James Version. No, that, that's not to which it refers. Word there is logos. It means living word. It means the embodiment of who God is and the truth of God. It means Jesus Christ. In the beginning, Jesus Christ already existed. And we'll come back to that phrase in a moment. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Before we go further in the passage, there's something essential that we need to understand where English fails us here in translation. In verse 1, and then and again in verse 2, it says he existed in the beginning. And the problem there is that the definite article, the, does not appear in the original language of the New Testament, Koine Greek. And that's an issue because the beginning infers a point in time experience that there was a, a time that was the beginning but it doesn't exist in the language of greek it it, it simply says they're in beginning and the point is it is not a point in time beginning before there was time jesus was Or if I may put it this way, there was never an existence without Jesus. The theological term is eternally pre-existent. Jesus always was. Now, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around because everything we understand in life is related to time. Everything we know is on a continuum, a linear line. And everything occurs at a point in time. It is either past, present, or future. But think of this. When I say the word now... By the time it comes from my lips through this amplification system to your ears, to your brain, which it finally trans- by the time you understand now, it's already passed. Everything we know is related to time. But the issue is Jesus is not restricted to time. He created time. It was Jesus who flung the planets into space orbit that created what we call time. He existed before he created time, and he shall exist when he brings time to an end. And when he does that, hours, minutes, seconds, months, years, days, centuries, all of those will be irrelevant, meaningless terms. For the one who is Lord over time will bring time to an end. Can you begin to see how awesome our God is? The eternally pre-existent one. The one who existed before there was time. The one who created time and shall bring time to a close. That awesome God, the Logos, came to this sin-cursed, dark planet we call earth. And he did it for you and for me. He came into our dark world not to bring light, to be the light. John goes on to say, John sent a man, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself, meaning John the Baptist, not John the writer of the gospel, John the Baptist himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus' birth would be the pivotal event in all of human history and eternity. It would launch God's plan to redeem sinful human beings like you and me. And John the Baptist was given the central role of being the one who would announce his coming, announce his arrival. Let me try to illustrate it this way. In our system of governance we have an event called the State of the Union Address. The President of the United States makes what is called the State of the Union Address. And the joint houses of Congress are all gathered, and before the President enters the room to walk to the podium to give the address, there is someone who announces, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States... And the president, whoever he is, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, the label is irrelevant here, the point is that there is someone who announces, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. Everyone stands, applauds, and the focus is on the president. And my point is, no one even knows who made the announcement. They're insignificant, and yet they announce the arrival of the head of state. Well, far more significant than the head of state in any country on planet Earth in history was the arrival of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And John the Baptist became the one to say, ladies and gentlemen, God has come in human form. Verse 8, John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. That Jesus was arriving and would step onto the pages of human history to change the world, to change the world forever. Verse 10, he, meaning Jesus, came into the very world he created. Now think about this. He came into the very world he created but the world didn't recognize him. He came into the world that he created and over which he had divine authority and sovereignty. He had authority over the mountains and the seas and the oceans and the rivers and the wind and the rain. And he demonstrated that he could speak and the storm would cease. He had divine authority and privileges over all of his creation. And yet, as Paul said in Philippians 2, he laid all that down. He laid that, he set that aside so that he could become human, so that he could redeem you and redeem me from sin with his own blood. Verse 11 is a sad statement. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. He came to the Jews, the ones who had had the sacred Scripture for centuries, the ones who had read over and over and over again the prophecies that described and pointed to Jesus. And when He came, those who were steeped in the prophetic Scriptures didn't even recognize Him. They rejected Him. And ultimately, they crucified him. And that is a heartbreaking statement. Oh, but then verse 12 is a statement with glorious good news. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but with a birth that comes from God. Verse 12 is one of the most significant verses in the New Testament because it describes how the redemption that Jesus came to purchase with his own blood is applied to a person's eternal soul, to all who believed and accepted him. Here at Magnolias First, we talk a lot about stepping across the line of faith. We talk a lot about how everyone is on a faith journey. They're either over here in unbelief and and hopefully turning on a journey to faith, toward the cross, and at some point, They have the opportunity to step across the line of faith, to do what verse 12 describes as believing Him and accepting Him. To step across the line of faith, you believe in Jesus. You turn away from your old sinful past. You turn to Jesus. You believe in Him, that He is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross for you, that His blood was shed to pay for your sin. And you accept him. You accept what he did by faith. And you begin then a new journey, not a journey to faith, but having stepped across that line of faith to believe and accept him. You you begin a journey of faith, a journey of following Jesus. You become a Christ follower And that journey lasts throughout the rest of your lifetime. We talk about that here a lot because it is the most important point in anyone's life. It is the story of Christmas. It's why Jesus came. That you would believe and accept him. And verse 13 says, for those who take that step, they are reborn. If you go forward to John chapter 3 and you find Jesus describing it as being born again, you've heard that term, being born again. In other words, when you step across the line of faith, believing and accepting Jesus, you start a whole new life. It's like you're reborn, you're born again. It's not a human birth like the first birth, it's a spiritual birth. It's a transformational work of God in your heart and life. And you become, verse 12 says, a child of God. So let me just stop in the middle of this message and ask you a personal question. Both here in the room, those who are watching online, have you done that? I'm not asking if you're a Baptist or a a member of this church or or Methodist, Episcopal, whatever label. It's not about labels. It's about your heart. Have you believed in your heart in Jesus? Have you accepted Him? Have you committed your life to follow Him, trusting your very being, your life into His hands, and you're on a journey of following? Have you done that? Then if, if not, can I just say, that's the most important decision you could ever make. And those in this room who have made that decision, as flawed as we are and as imperfectly as we seek to follow him, we still believe that's the best decision we ever made in life. Because it changes not only your life, it changes your eternity. And John says you are reborn. You are reborn. And that opportunity for us could not be reality unless Jesus had left heaven to come to earth to show us the heavenly Father. Verse 14, So the Word, the Logos, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The verse says here, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's how the New Living Translators translated it. I love the New Living Translation because I believe it's the easiest to, under, to understand. But I have to tell you here, I actually prefer the old King James, which in this verse says, he was full of grace and truth. And that describes Jesus to me. Full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John the Baptist could hardly contain himself. Verse 15, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed. Long before me, I love John the Baptist I mean you've got to love somebody who lives in the woods and you know eats locusts and wild honey and you know wears animal skins and all that that jazz i mean he was he was unique, but I, what I really love most about John the Baptist is was he's the polar opposite of so many religious celebrity leaders today. And what I mean by that, those who, who who seem to to be wanting to gather their following bigger and bigger, they especially want you to give to them so you'll be on their email list and you'll get a thousand emails asking for money. You know what I'm talking about? You know that that's kind of the, the trend among celebrity religious leaders. But John was doing exactly the opposite. In fact, later on, John would say, he must increase, I must decrease. John was all about pointing it to Jesus, who he described as someone far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. And I want us to take the heart of of John the Baptist this Christmas season you know what we ought to enjoy the lights and the parties and family gatherings and giving and receiving gifts that's they're all great parts of Christmas are they not there's nothing wrong with those things unless they're the focus instead of the logos we must do what John the Baptist did and make it about Jesus all those things are peripheral Jesus is at the center of it all. Verse 16 says, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. He is the ultimate revelation of God to us. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness, God's Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John is saying there what the Old Testament law could never have accomplished, what modern religion in and of itself could never be sufficient to do in us. Jesus is everything. He is all we need. We sang that so beautifully. He is enough. He is everything the incarnate Christ, God in human form. Verse 18 concludes the passage. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, the Logos, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That's the story of Christmas. That God, immortal, Almighty, All Powerful, All Wise, eternally pre-existent, became a little baby. You know, I love the music of the Christmas season. Almost every year, I I hear new Christmas songs, and I enjoy the old songs, and. Sometimes I'll come across a song that I haven't remembered for many years. I did that this week in preparation for this message. I came across the lyrics to a song one of our vocal ensembles sang probably 20 years ago. And I read the lyrics again, and they touched my heart. I share them with you as I close. The song's entitled, No Ordinary Baby. He cried when he was hungry. He did all the things that babies do. He walked and he napped on his mother's lap and he wiggled and giggled and cooed. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? There was a cheer when he took his first step and tears when he got his first teeth. Almost everything about this little baby seemed as normal as it could be. But this baby made the angels sing. This baby made a new star shine in the sky. This baby had come to change the world. This baby was God's own son. This baby was like no other one. This baby was God with us. This baby was Jesus. Enjoy all the lights and the parties and the gifts. They're all good keep Jesus in the center of your focus this Christmas season because he was no ordinary baby he was and is God in human form would you pray with me Heavenly Father as we end this service with a time of prayer and a time of invitation for anyone who needs to step across the line of faith or take any of the next steps that come with following Jesus. I pray, O Lord, that this would be a holy time. I pray, Lord, that there would be freedom for those here worshiping to come and pray with our prayer partners as so many did in the previous service. I pray, Lord, for those who need to take the next step in their journey. I pray for those who are sick. Lord, there are some who need to be anointed and prayed over as Scripture teaches. Cindy and I would be honored to do that. Lord, I pray that these next few moments as we continue in worship to you, would be holy moments of prayer and commitment that we might end this service honoring you and walking away deeper in our faith and stronger in our commitment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Would you quietly and prayerfully stand with me as our prayer partners make their way the front to be available and if you have need of healing we invite you to come and Cindy and I would anoint you and pray over you if you want to pray with folks who you can trust these deacons and wives and pastors and wives are here to pray with you if you need to take the next step in your spiritual journey just say to one of these couples I need to take the next step they'll help you know how. Or just remain where you are. If you have no need to come forward for prayer, remain where you are and pray during these moments. And then we'll conclude our time of worship together.